In a world where good news is hard to find, WAVA and One Heart DC present Good News for the City. We're here to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what his body, the church, is doing to spread this good news in the Washington, D.C. metro area, including Northern Virginia, Maryland, and D.C. As Jesus said in John 17, Father, that they may be one just as we are one. Welcome to Good News for the City. It's the gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Greetings, folks, and welcome to Good News for the City, the radio broadcast ministry partnership between WAVA Radio and One Heart DC, right here on Life Changing Talk Radio 105.1 FM, WAVA. My name is Dennis Williams. I'm director of ministry for WAVA Radio, and I want to welcome you to today's broadcast. Folks, you know, one great way to start out what I'm about to say is to, is to do this every time we don't, but I'm going to start out today with scripture. Acts chapter 17, verses 26 and 27, and it says this, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined a lot of periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. Well, guess what, folks? We see this plan of God playing out exactly in the life of our guest today. God arranged circumstances and planted him here in the Metro D.C. area. And God used others here to set him on a journey to seek and find God, which, in fact, he did. Now, some may be inclined to think our guest was an unlikely convert, given his family background. And we'll hear more about that in just a few minutes. We'll hear about how he has lived a life of faithfulness and blossoming where he planted, where he was planted, um, to be used by God to disciple the next generation. And through his life, we see 2 Timothy 2.2 playing out. Let me read it to you. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Well, God used others to share faith with our guest, who in turn is sharing his faith with others who are doing the same thing. So stay tuned with us. Be encouraged and possibly see more clearly how you may blossom where you are planted and be used by God to pass along your faith, the faith, to others. And of course, hey, we want to talk about it here to get us going, to get us started. My good friend, my co-host, my buddy good of Good News for the City, Pastor Brian Bale, Senior Pastor of Christian Fellowship Church in Ash, Virginia. Dude, that was a mouthful, buddy. Well, you Man, got it through sounds it. exciting. Well, I know. It, 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 it very much sounds exciting. And, sounds exciting. And uh, I, I'm glad to be here, and I'm glad to talk. In fact, uh, our guest today is someone that I've had the privilege of connecting with personally. He has served us well at Christian Fellowship Church here in Ashburn and helping us understand uh, lots of things, especially uh, during Passover season. And Amen. listeners of the show know this is what we do. We talk about local issues or local things that locally people can get involved in in telling the good news of the gospel. As well, from time to time, we like to share life stories about everyday people doing everyday things about an immeasurable God. And there's a little bit of both today with John. And he is our guest today, John Desser. I'm so glad to have him here in studio with us. Let me tell you a little bit about him. John's a Jewish follower of Christ, and uh, he'll get your attention really quick when you hear him say this. The separation between Judaism and Christianity is man-made and artificial. In reality, Indeed. one follows the other. And this is something that he didn't always believe, but it's one that he's come to understand as truth, and we know as truth. 
because he grew up in a secular Jewish home. And after finishing college, he moved right here to the Washington metro area, like many people did, to get involved in politics. And specifically, he worked with Senator John McCain. An invitation uh, while he was working there to attend a national prayer breakfast and then hearing from some high profile, highly accomplished or what we would call in this world successful people from a professional standpoint. Instead, talking about their success, they were talking about Jesus. And that led him into a journey into scripture, where eventually, as someone who grew up in the Jewish faith, he made his way to the New Testament and found himself talking and reading through the Sermon on the Mount. He became convinced that Jesus is the Messiah of Judaism. Uh, And so he lives in Leesburg now, his wife Contessa of 21 years. He has four children, uh, twins, Levi and Elisheva. We have uh, Micah, as well as Judah, good Old Testament names, if you're familiar with the Old Testament in that way. He and his wife practice their gifts of hospitality, hosting Shabbat dinners and celebrations of Jewish holidays, which I've had the privilege of being a part of with him. His guests often learn some of the key Jewish traditions that point to Messiah. In addition, they and their twins, who happen to be seniors at Loudoun County High School, they host a weekly Bible study in their home that can include between 20 and 50 students. Uh, that's what he does in his off time. In his day job, he's an executive healthcare industry where he's involved in public policy. But today, we have the privilege of having him talk about Jesus. And so, John, thanks for being on the show today. Well, praise God. I, wow. Uh, you said that so nicely, and I feel undeserving of of it, but it is a true story what you said, and uh, it's great to be with you guys. Yeah, that's the one thing when we understand the gospel, right? Uh, it is grace and grace alone, uh, receiving something that we don't deserve, but pointing us back to the greatness of God. And and growing up in a Jewish home, I, I think if someone knows um, a little bit about the Jewish faith, it would seem unlikely that eventually you would find yourself on the radio, good news for the city today, talking about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ and how you disciple young people and how you encourage people to connect uh, there, this reality that there is no separation in that way. The Messiah of Judaism is the Messiah of Christianity. Can you share what it was like to, to grow up uh, in uh, what would I would use the adjective secular Jewish home, yeah. if that would be fair to say, and what your spiritual journey was like and how you came to understand um, and to know Messiah and, and to follow Yeshua? Yeah, that is an appropriate term, and it was mostly really a secular Jewish home that I grew up in. My father, interestingly, had been ordained as an Orthodox rabbi when he was a younger man and then decided to go to medical school and become a physician. Mm -hmm. By the time he met my mother, uh, he kind of walked away from Orthodox Judaism. So we grew up believing all paths to God were equally misguided and a crutch for people who couldn't handle life. Mm-hmm. So when I moved to uh, Washington, D.C., after graduating from college in Arizona, working for McCain, as you said, I was invited to the National Prayer Breakfast. And I heard these people who I really admired, Secretary of State James Baker. Uh, another passion in my life is classical music. And the greatest cellist in the world at that time was a guy named Rostropovich. They both got up and talked about their faith. And I was kind of stunned because... I didn't understand why people so accomplished and so intelligent and educated would talk about a personal relationship with a person who I wasn't even sure had ever existed, much less had relevance in their lives today as literally like a personal relationship they were having on a day-to-day basis. And it really struck me and caused me to start my own investigation. Yeah. And so that sort of catalytic moment led you, as I understand it, to sort of you know, begin to read through the scriptures. And certainly as someone who grew up 
uh, exposure to Judaism. The Old Testament is, I imagine, where you started, uh, yeah. but eventually you, you made your way uh, into the New Testament, which, again, if you understand Judaism as background, uh, Orthodox Judaism would not hold to the New Testament in, in many, in all ways, actually, I would like to say. Yeah. And for you, though, as you began to walk through this sort of journey of discovery, really moving from something that, well, maybe this isn't a crutch for people, maybe this is real, you were exposed to several scriptures that sort of resonated in your soul. Uh, talk to us a little bit about what they were and how they began to influence your thinking and your movement towards Jesus. Sure. I was really blessed that some of the folks involved in the prayer breakfast took a personal interest in me. I don't know if you've ever heard the name Doug Coe or not, but when I first met him, he asked me, so you're Jewish? And I said, yes. And he said, God, I wish I was Jewish. And I, I couldn't understand that. I didn't understand why he thought that was an interesting thing or mm -hmm. something to be excited about. I didn't, I wasn't even interested in Judaism very much until I delved into the scripture and then realized uh, that, that the same person all the Christians are running after is actually the Jewish Messiah. Mm -hmm. So yes, I, I started in Genesis at the beginning and I read, you know, sort of a chapter a day for um, months and eventually I got to the sermon on that. Well, eventually I got, when I got to the book of Matthew, that's when I knew I was crossing over into verboten territory into sure. that was taboo in Judaism. But when I read the very first uh, chapter of the book of Matthew, all it does is give you his genealogy. And it's the guy's totally legit. Like you can <laughs> see he went from Abraham and he traces it all the way down to King David and then to Jesus, and I'm thinking, well, what's our argument with that? They've traced the genealogy. So I decided I'd keep reading. And when I got to the Sermon on the Mount, uh, it just struck me. And, you know, I had a lot of other people speaking into my life. I had been exposed to a lot of different, um, you know, opportunities, like through the prayer breakfast. But when I read the Sermon on the Mount, it all sort of came crashing in, and I realized that's the Jewish Messiah. There's a lot of societal and man-made divisions that have occurred since those days. But if you give this a fair reading, it's hard to conclude anything but that. And I, and I couldn't understand at that point, at that moment, how it all fit together and how the Jews one day will be redeemed and how Paul admonished, you know, the Gentile believers in Yeshua and Jesus to not be boastful about their newfound relationship with God through him. I didn't I hadn't read any of that yet. I hadn't gotten any of the epistles yet, but I did. I was convicted and convinced in that moment. That's got to be the Jewish Messiah. Yeah. And certainly as you have just shared already, and I know a little bit about your story about how people came alongside you and discipled you in this journey. I'm sure as we'll talk about a little bit later on that, a great influence of how now you are, are attempting to disciple and walk with people who are younger than you. It's certainly the focus on high school students. But I imagine th there had to be sort of some interesting moments in your home that went from Orthodox Judaism to all religions are crutch for people to now, if there's anything more opposite than those two, it might be faith in Jesus Christ. From what I understand your experience is like, how did your family react? And how were you sort of able to navigate, interestingly enough, right? One, one of the Ten Commandments that we know real well is honor your father and mother. Yeah, How do you do that you. in those moments while thanks also for, sharing your faith? Th th thanks for bringing that up. That, I, I was fortunate to receive some really good advice from some dear friends who said to me, 
in your newfound faith, don't be so excited about it that you violate other of God's commandments. For instance, we suggest that you don't go back to Arizona and beat your parents over the head with a New Testament because that's <laughs> not your job. That's not your role. Yeah. The Bible's pretty Indeed. clear about what Indeed. your role is as a kid, and it's yeah. to honor your mother and father. We don't think that would be honoring. Instead, what you should do is love, give, serve, and don't say anything about why until and unless they ask. Yeah. If someday they ask you what's changed about you, then it would be dishonoring not to answer honestly, but you should wait. Yeah, that's that first Peter passage, right? Always be prepared to give an answer for those who ask about the hope that was in you. And, and the implication of that uh, verse is I've always understood it. Dennis, I believe you too as well. And John, I'm sure we'd all be on the same page is that you're actually living such a life of hope that people would yes. want to ask. Yes. Yes. You know, a lot of times we as believers, we don't live that life of hope. And that's why people aren't asking mm. uh, in, in that way. So that, that's such let a great me, Let me just say something here, Brian. John, I, one, of the, one of the great things that I get to do with WAVA is I lead all of our trips to Israel. Oh. And so I have many friends um, who live in Israel um, some who are Messianic Jews, by the way, and some who are Jewish folk, right? Yeah. So it's just so interesting for me to, it's wonderful, by the way, to hear me, to, to get, to be allowed to hear you tell your story, um, because then I can relate to Reuven and Ruti and Abi and, and all of those folks who are my friends who live in Jerusalem, by the way. Um, and then to hear you just that, it just brought it out in me, Brian, when you're talking about honor your mother and father and, and what you said. So, man, I have some real insight into them even, and I've known them for six or seven years now, but I have some better insight in just listening to you. So thank you for that. That's, that's a big deal, man. Yeah. Well, if we go back far enough, we'll probably find out that I'm related to Ruti and your other friends there. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dennis, Indeed. as you were talking, you, you talked about what it brought out in you. What it brought out in me, listening to all the times I know both of you have been to Israel, is thou shalt not covet your neighbor's trips to Israel. So I'm going to just kind of <laughs> move on if I can. Now, you, John, I know this. I've had the opportunity, I think, at least three different Seder gatherings to to sit next to you, to be with you, uh, for you to pronounce the Hebrew so much better than I ever would, just to be honest and be straight out of that. So grateful to have you there when we do it. You're really interested in helping people connect and see the connection that for so many years was, you know, blind for you and blind for so many that you've hosted. I mean, so many satyrs with more than 50 people. I know we had one one time with almost 200 people that you were helped walking us through. What has been the results of you using those moments and those connections and the fruit that's come from it? Well, if you look at Romans 11 and it talks about the Gentile followers of Yeshua, of Jesus being grafted into God's relationship with the children of Israel. Mm -hmm. I've always wondered, don't Christians want to know what they've been grafted into? And, yeah. and many do. So, some don't, uh, but many do. And um, this is not a matter of salvation, by the way. Salvation only comes through faith in Messiah, and that's it. You don't have to know anything else except Messiah and Him crucified and resurrected. Amen. But Amen. if you do want to have a richer and deeper understanding, I view it just as a blessing to know more about the context into which he arrived and came on the scene uh, in a Jewish culture and society, then you might find of interest learning what some of the customs are around mm -hmm. Shabbat, the Sabbath, what some of the customs are around some of the key holy days. 
Because when we do, we see them pointing so clearly to the Messiah. And so Contessa and I, my wife, we've, we've had for some time it on our hearts to um, share as much about that as people are interested in receiving. And so when we went to your church, Brian, and said, um, you know, the church we attend doesn't have a kitchen, and uh, the Passover Seder involves food, would you guys be interested in partnering? I was told you had already been doing it for some time, and yes, you'd love to have me help out. Yeah. And so that, that started a really fun partnership, and we did, I think you're right, three of those at CFC, and I think we're, we're scheduled to do another one here. Yeah, a little little shameless plug for Christian Fellowship Church. I don't normally do this, but if you're listening today and you're out in the Loudoun County, Western Fairfax area, and you'd like to experience a Seder that John has helped leading and grow deeper in your Christian faith and connecting it to your Jewish roots, it'll be the Wednesday before Easter. Uh, So that is April 13th coming up in 2022. And I know that so many people have come to ours and others that you've led over the years. What has then occurred is that's been their first step. And they've learned so much. It, it's, it's taken them farther. And what I find interesting is it's an aspect in many ways of discipleship. And as you, for example, in partnership with your youth pastor, you and uh, your wife, you've then taken that into your home uh, with meals, as I, I mentioned before, and those things already. But, you know, you can have a lot of teenagers come into your house on any particular week for fellowship and Bible study. Can you yeah. sort of describe what your passion behind that is, what it looks like and what happens? Sure. That was just sort of a natural outgrowth of where our kids uh, were in terms of their uh, growing up time and being now in high school. And so, uh, like you said, we've hosted lots of seders here. We've had lots of people for Shabbat and we try to explain what that is all about. And when the when the twins went through, started going through their high school challenges, as uh, as as uh, many teens are wont to do, our son Levi. Uh, was having some particular struggles, and we suggested connecting with his former youth pastor at McLean Bible Church, uh, Donnie Cohn. And so the two of them got together, three or four meetings together, just one-on-one, and we immediately saw a change in Levi's attitude and approach. And then I said to him, son, if you're getting so much out of these meetings with Donnie, why, why don't you invite two or three of your buddies and ask Donnie if you could invite two or three of your buddies to join you, and you all can have a little time together. He's like, Dad, that's a great idea. And so he invited three or four of his friends. Donnie was totally game. They started meeting. This went on for maybe a month. And then my daughter, who's Levi's twin, Elisheva, she went up to Levi and said, what's the deal? You got something against girls? How come I can't come to this meeting? <laughs> yeah. So they thought about it and realized, yeah, that's probably true. And so they decided, well, the first Sunday of every month, they'll invite Ellie and some of her friends. And that went on for a few months. And then finally, Ellie said, look, I've had enough of this. Can't we just do it co-ed every weekend? And Donnie and Levi said, yeah, that, you're right. That makes no sense to only do it once a week. So that's how it turned into what it is today, which is, you know, lately we've been having 40, 50 kids on a Sunday evening. Wow. They come uh, early, they play basketball. When the weather's nice, they, they jump in the pool. Uh, then they come inside and uh, we provide food. Uh, Contessa used to be on Young Life for many years, by the way. Mm-hmm. And she, um, you know, she, she knows the formula. 
Right. You bring the food, they then the guys show up. The guys show up and throw the shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the truth. That's yeah. the truth. That's well, you know, the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. I'm not sure that's written in scripture somewhere, but it's probably a, <laughs> probably a general truth that we could apply to. Well, I think one of the things that I've heard you say is that a key part of the success of this Bible study, though, is that from the beginning it was owned and developed by the kids themselves, right. and yes. you know. When you see people who are your peers, I mean, I think in many ways, that's the story that we've heard you share when you went to the National Prayer Breakfast, right. people who may be a little farther along in the career line than you were, but peers in the same area. It, it somehow gets your attention in ways that that other other things might not. And what's been your experience? And if someone is hearing that, I know that my wife and I. We would host something once a month on Sunday night in our house, and we would have 20 to 40 teenagers just show up uh, for a conversation. It was amazing where the conversations would go and how God would show up and would speak into those issues in the kids' lives. Do you have any advice for someone who's like, oh, maybe this is something that I could do? Yeah, that's so awesome, Brian, that you guys did that, too. What what I've learned from this more than anything is that this generation, we, the previous generations always tend to look down on the current generations. And so we're always like, well, they clearly don't want to know anything about truth. What I've discovered from this is there's a whole mess of kids who want to learn about truth. They're very interested in learning about truth. They just need a safe environment, safe for them socially and otherwise, uh, to come and hear about it. And so I remember being at a football game and a lady turned around to me and says, oh, you're you're the guy that hosts that Bible study, aren't you? And I said, I said, yes. She said, I've been trying to get my son to come to church with me for months and he, he wouldn't come, but he, but he started going to your Bible study. And I said, okay, well, that's, mm-hmm. that's great. And then she said, and now he's coming to church with me. And so that's really <laughs> right. The end goal is they're going to find fellowship where fellowship is usually found, which is in the church. But sometimes that might not be their first foray. Just like for sure. me, my first foray wasn't showing up at Cherry Hill Baptist Church in Arlington, it was the National Prayer Breakfast. That was more socially relevant for me. But I was interested in truth. And this younger generation is too. We just have to set up some environments for them to get started. Yeah. And so I just am excited about how you're continually to hear God's voice in your life, answering what may seem to be a strange call from time to time, but clearly his call to to go. When I say strange, it's never strange when it comes from God. It's just sometimes I think God calls us into things, and we're, we're kind of a little bit like Moses. Are you sure you got the right guy? Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, and so yeah, thank you for your willingness to step in, and thank you for sharing your story. I, You know, if we had more time, I love one of the stories that you shared just with us offline about a year into the Bible study. You had this one kid who was coming. He was parents divorced, struggled with illegal substances and all that, and then all of a sudden now, by being exposed into the faithfulness and living out the love that you lived out in front of your parents, that other people lived out in front of you, he professed faith. Uh, and not in, in, a, in a pretty typical teenage way on social media, where everyone yeah. in the world could see it and interact. But he did it uh, in a way that was extremely gracious and articulate, but also very persuasive about the power and the truth of who Jesus is, Yeshua, the yeah. one who came to change it all. So, John, just thank you. Um, I appreciate your personal ministry in my life and the church at Christian Fellowship Church. I appreciate what you're doing and I appreciate you sharing your story again today because, you know, we want to get this out here. Good news of the city, everyday people sharing everyday stories about an immeasurable God. Right, Dennis? Amen. I, I just get I probably shouldn't get surprised anymore because I've been in ministry such a long time, but I still get floored by God. 
and his grace and his amazing goodness and how just kind of being who you are and doing what you do, man, God uses that to change your life and others. So, John, thank you, brother. God bless you so much for doing what you're doing. Folks, hey, if you want to listen to this again or, or hear about this, man, man, what a great story. Go to goodnewsforthecity.com. That's goodnewsforthecity.com. Also, um, John's email, if you want to get in touch with John and learn some more about what he does and, and what's been going on, you can go to john.desser at ehealth.com. That's john.desser at ehealth.com. Or you can always give me a call at the radio station. I can fill you in on things if you need anything. Uh, 703-807-2266. That's 703-807-2266. John, Brian, hey, guys, thank you. God bless you. Folks, thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next week. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way. It's the gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Thank you for joining us and listening to Good News for the City, a gospel partnership between WAVA and One Heart DC. This is a partnership, movement which celebrates and seeks to accelerate the move of the gospel into the Washington, D.C. metro area. It is our prayer that through this radio broadcast ministry of Good News for the City, we will see transformed lives and communities and more and more people responding to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to help bring unity to Bible-believing people and churches in order to multiply our impact in our city, and we would love for you to join us. You can learn more at goodnewsforthecity.com. That's goodnewsforthecity.com. Or you can go to wava.com keyword good news. Or you can call us at 703-807-2266. 703-807-2266. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way.